You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. All right, sir, let's start with it. <laughs> Columbus and Tampa Bay. A lot to unpack here, I think uh, that's safe to say, Lou Nanny. Well, that's what happens every year in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You never know who's going to win. And even though we've seen many times in the past that uh, teams that have won the President's Trophy haven't won the Stanley Cup, but they usually don't go out in the first round. But this time, Tampa Bay went out in the first round. And Pittsburgh, uh, you know, they uh, they were playing the team that's had a great year. The New York Islanders ended up ahead of Pittsburgh, and they were very competitive, but uh, the Islanders just seemed to have their total game more in control than Pittsburgh, and uh, they shut down Crosby and Melkin pretty good in that playoff, and when you do that, you got a great chance to win, and that's what they did. So does the Jackets' success in, in sweeping uh, Tampa Bay in four games start with coaching, in your mind? Well, it's a big part of it, but it's still playing. Uh, let's face it, the key to that series was Bob Roski start playing the way he's, he's played in past years. He didn't play that way the first half of this year. For a long while, it didn't even look like uh, he was going to be with Columbus after the deadline. He, there was a lot of thought that he might have been gone then. He's going to become a free agent, and he wasn't playing as well. I know Florida's got a lot of interest in him. Mm-hmm. But he came back after the deadline and, and had his best time of the year, the way he played, and and starting there, and the additions they made were terrific. Uh, you know, you get Duchesne and, and Dezingle at the deadline, and McQuaid, who's hurt now, but uh, Duchesne and Dezingle are, are great hockey players. They've filled out some good positions for them up front, and their defense has been solid. They, they played very well, but I think Tortorello did a great job coaching them throughout the series. And they, uh, you know, they were down 3 nothing that first game, and they came back. Yep. That gave them a lot of confidence that they could win, and that's what they did. And uh, they they did a fantastic job as well, I think, of frustrating Tampa because Tampa Bay, after as you said, going up three nothing the first period of Game One, Tampa Bay looked uh, frustrated for really the rest of that series. Well, and let's not uh, forget uh, losing Victor Edmond, who's one of the top four defensemen in the league. Yeah, and not having him and losing Kucherov for a game really hurt, and then uh, they had a couple other banged up guys, so. They they were hurting a little bit too, but uh, you're right. Columbus did a good job of frustrating them, and and even last night, I don't know if you watched any of the game, but uh, it looked like Tampa was going to tie that game a number of times as Bob Roski made the saves and kept the puck out of the net. So collectively, they did a great job. So if you ran Tampa at this point, obviously after taking a step back now and digesting this, Lou, do you say 62 wins? We lose in four games in the first round, and it's not fluky, but you still have a very good team. Do you make any tweaks there, or do you just basically say we're going to come back next year with with pretty much the same collection and take our chances again because our regular season was so fantastic? Well, you never stand still, that's for sure. If you stand still, you get behind. So they're going to have to make a couple of tweaks. I'm not saying they're major, but uh, when you look at that organization, they've really – developed and it started with Eiserman but you know it's carried on now but they've developed some young kids that are good too and their farm teams 
done well up there for them. And I, I think that you'll probably see a couple of changes in that lineup. But uh, uh, they got a little age on, on a couple of guys on defense, and uh, you might want to change a forward or two up front. But uh, it won't be major, but uh, they, they will make some changes. How about Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh, uh, you know, you got to look at it that they are getting to the point where, you know, the best players are older, and they yep. got to be preparing for that. And uh, they, they, they've had a couple of real good years lately. I mean, they won a couple of cups not too long ago, and and now they're they're, I think, in 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 the air where they have to make some changes, and they got to make larger improvements in a team like Tampa. I think they, they've got to do some things on defense and also on the forward line. Uh, you know, their best young forward is Jake Genzel now, and, and they, they need to get him some help up there to other guys scoring. But they'll be competitive. But if you if you want to make your steps up, you got to start uh, adding some some top-notch players up front. They try to do it at the deadline. Bukestead and McCann come in, and yep. they played pretty well for them, but they still they still got to add a little bit more, I think. Do you think Kessel gets moved? He could. He definitely would be a valuable trade bait. Uh, he's still very productive, and, uh, and you know, it, it's a question of who you're going to move because your, your three key pieces up front uh, are, are Crosby, Malkin, and, and Kessel, that are older, and, and then you got Gensel's the uh, <clears throat> young guy that, you, of course, you're going to, you're definitely not going to move him. Mm-hmm. And then you need more guys like uh, Jake there. And I, I think that, you know, you never say never, but they could move Malkin too. Wow, that that would be that would be a blockbuster, Lou Nanny. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you move Malkin. You, you know, and the, the funny thing is, and it's tough, but you got to trade your. If you're going to trade him, unless you're going to keep like Crosby, they would never trade. I wouldn't think, and just keep him in the organization forever. Sure. Well, I don't see Malkin staying in the organization forever. So, your best players that are went on the crest at the top of the hill, and they're going to go down from there. That's that's when you got to trade them because that's when you get most for them, and they're going to start being less productive. And and it's tough to do, but if you you know. <laughs> Time doesn't wait for anybody, and eventually your best ones are going to be older and not playing at all. So you want to trade them when they're the most valuable and, and uh, you can get the most for them, and they're starting to be on the downward slope. And hey, put in, into perspective the, the job that Barry Trotz has done as well, because this is a team that lost Tavares. It's a good team. It's a fun team. But uh, I, I think the expectation of the Islanders going into this year was probably very different than what, what we've seen. What's the job that coaching and, and Lou also as GM have done in stepping in there and, and turning this thing in such a positive direction so quickly? Well, I think, uh, Louis, the pieces he added, and, and starting with Barry Trotz, who he, he did not hesitate to go after him the moment Louis got the job. Trotz didn't sign. He went and signed him up right away. And uh, Trotz just got him playing the right way. And if you wonder why Nashville had success for a long time, mm-hmm. and that's why, you know, I mean, he lasted so long in Nashville, so many years. He was a longest tenured coach, so he finally was cut loose and went to Washington. He was there forever. And the reason why, he always made his team competitive. <clears throat> if you want to liken him to somebody, I, I, I'd say you'd have to liken him to Jacques uh, Lemaire. And the reason why is because the teams are always so consistent the way they play defensively. They always play on the right side of the puck. They, if you're going to play for trots, you have to know how to play, not just be capable of 
having talent to play, but how are you? To, how do you play? And his team, when you look at it, starting from their own zone on out, that's when they they know they do a much better job now protecting the puck, being on the right side of the puck, moving the puck up, not getting caught in, in as many outnumbered situations. All the, all the things that matter that he gets them conditioned to do. And I and I believe last night, if you watched. Uh, I think it was uh, Bailey that uh, was interviewed after the game. He, they asked him about it, and he says, well, you know, we really believe what we're doing because uh, yeah. Barry's got us playing the right way. And and he he does those things. And and when your team is doing that together, mm-hmm. all of you, you know, you're, you're, you're tough to beat. And, and that's they became a tough out. And, and it's been a big, big help to them that their goaltending has been better. And... Uh, Robert Lerner last night, you know, he, he came from Buffalo. He had all kinds of problems before, and, and he got him worked out and straightened away, and he's come in along with Grace and given him some excellent goaltending. So they they are they are a good team and a yeah. tough team to play against. Yeah, Barzell's fantastic to watch. Oh, Barzell is just superb. I mean, he started out the first half of the year, and, and he, last year he was fantastic. This past year... First part of the year, he was n- not near the same player. Trot set him out. He even, you know, he started saying, "You got to, you got to get your game back to where it should be." But, and, and I, I don't mean offensively; I mean defensively. And so, <laughs> yep, he, he he got him readjusted, and his skill level is off the chart. So, when you're playing good defensively, besides what he could do offensively, uh, he's a terrific player. These playoffs so far too have been absolutely great fun. Well, you know what. Uh, I yeah, I don't think I'm saying anything that people haven't said for 50 years. Yep. There's no playoffs better than the NHL playoffs. And every year you say, oh, they're great fun. They're unbelievable. And other years we've had like 20-some overtimes in the first round. It's just crazy yep. what happens in the NHL playoffs. It, it is so intense, so competitive, and, and, and it, it becomes so balanced, even though you might have a one playing against eight. It's amazing. What you get, and, and the games are just tremendous to watch. I, I think, without a doubt, year in and year out, mm-hmm. there's no playoffs better than the NHL playoffs. Lou, I think it's the jump in play, too, though. There's no there's no other league that transitions to its playoffs and jumps like this. Like, if you watch, if you watch game 68, okay, it could be fun, fine, right? But you sit down now with with this uh, plethora of, of games, and by the way, in the states here, the NBC uh, staggers have been fantastic time wise. You're you're flopping from third period to third period, and for the most part, they're all fantastic. I I, I want to tell you, I've had the good fortune of playing the Stanley Cup playoffs a number of times, and and I I can't tell you enough how the mindset changes and how desperation sets in and how you sit in there and all you think about is how do we win this game? What do I have to do to win? And there's like no fear of nothing. You just don't worry about getting hit in the puck in the face, stick in the face, punch in the face. You don't even think about that. Getting hit in the boards, concussions, <laughs> yep. you know, uh, separation, shoulder separation. You just, you're going to do whatever it takes to get done. And I can tell you at the end of the game, you sit there, and every part of your body hurts. Every part. I, I remember being taped up on the right side. My whole right side's taped up. And, and every game, you know, you'd be putting stitches in, taking stitches out in the elbow or whatever. Mm-hmm. You don't even, 
it's not even something you think about. You don't think about pain. You don't think about anything. All you think about is how do we win this game? How do we win this game? And and and, and you, the intensity in the locker room before a game, it, you could cut it with a knife. I don't know if you ever ever have that sense or feeling of how intense and determined teams are sitting in that locker room before a game. It's something that I've been fortunate to experience. I I, I can't translate what the feeling is like, but it's something so unique and and I think it's so beautiful because of how meaningful it is and and what it means and the determination that people are sitting there with it. It it that that's what that's what happens when the game starts, how that, that intensity transcends to the ice and and then you're seeing the result of it by watching both teams that are feeling the same way yep. and have the same determination. And many times it is just breaks that wins. It, it's not the best team. It's not the, the uh, you know most talented team. It's Many times it's just a break here, a break there, because they are playing with so much fire and passion that uh, anybody can win any time. And, Lou, I think what's so fun, too, is, is – you- you could tell that it's embraced by all the teams, which you just described. But there's also certain players that you watch and see, and their their games go from and and it's not just their skill; it's their, I, for lack of a better term, desire. Ryan O'Reilly of the Blues is an absolute monster right now. Yeah, and it's just it, it's incredible. He takes every face off, Lou. I uh, it it is something that how uh, the uniqueness of some individuals really comes into play in the playoffs. And, and, and every playoff series has some of those guys doing that. And, and uh, it's, uh, at the end of the day, though, your best players better be your best players. Because sure. that, that's really important because if their best players are better than your best players, you know, the chances are you're going to lose. Even though what's really apparent is everybody matters and the third and fourth lines win series for, for teams many times. You never know where it's coming from, but to get that far and that long during a seven-game series, your good guys better be good, and your goaltender better be as good as the other guy, because uh, you don't win with bad goaltending. Yep. And and your your best guys got to be doing something, and that's why, like, you look at Pittsburgh, you know, Malkin and, and Crosby basically didn't score; they get beat. You look at Tampa. Samko's got his first goal in the series last night, and Kucherov didn't get much, and they got beat. Yep. So when the guys that are your most productive aren't putting anything up, it's pretty hard for third and fourth liners to carry you for seven games. Hey, what's your observation on the mindset of frustrating players, too? Because there's certain guys, I think in the playoffs, every team tries to frustrate their top opponents. Some guys play through it, and it probably bugs them, but but they continue to play th- through it. But then you get guys like uh, Kucherov or, or perhaps Stamkos, um, who seem to who seem to get frustrated and do dumb things or disappear. What's that switch, or what in your mind? What's the mindset of the player who's able to overcome that? Well, first of all, you know the best players usually overcome it, and the only time like a, a Stamkos or Kucherov might affect them is now when they're. When desperation sets in and, and they, nothing has been able to go right for them all the way through. It's not just like the first period of the first game. They're not frustrated then. It's right. after you're yes. going on for a number of games and now you're in the brink and 
and nothing has gone right, then then you can see frustration setting in. But usually, you know, everybody's conditioned, and the and the coaches are making certain that you're you're feeling that way too. That put it behind you, put it behind you. <laughs> Malkin though, you and, he got frustrated. You know, who that? Malkin got frustrated. Yeah. Crosby, I don't think did as much, but Malkin definitely did. Yeah, but but it, it takes time to do it. When you know, you know, like I said, they're dead, done, and gone almost at that time. But yeah. before that. You're not you're not getting frustrated right away, and and uh, you learn. Like when we played Toronto in the, in the playoffs, and we you know Toronto had beaten us during the, during the year almost every time, and and uh, I went down and and coached for the playoffs because Murray Oliver said, "Louis, I think I think you got to come behind the bench." She said, "We haven't beaten these guys this year. Maybe we could try something different." And I said, okay, fine. And so we went down, and uh, we were going to play him in Toronto. After we'd beat him in, in Minnesota, mm-hmm. and we went to Toronto, we had to win a game in Toronto. And before the game, I told the players, I said, I want you to do everything you can in your power to aggravate the other guys. <laughs> do whatever you can, say whatever you have to say, do whatever you do. But when they punch you in the head, you take it. You don't lift a glove. You don't do anything. Mm-hmm. You make certain that whatever you do, you maintain your composure and let them get the penalty. And after that, I went down to the referee's room, which, you know, you couldn't be able to do today. And I went down to the referee, and I said, let me tell you something. We're going to frustrate these guys to no end today, and my guys are ordered not to lift a glove. In fact, if they do, I'm going to fine them. And so if somebody punches my guy in the face, and you don't call it. I'm telling the reporters after the game that I told you this. I was looking for it, and you didn't do your job. Mm-hmm. And I went back, and we started the game. Bobby Smith, I'll never forget. He went out, and I think it was Paul Higgins. He did it too. And I don't know what he said to him, what he did finally. And it was the play was over, and 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 right by the faceoff dot, and Bobby was yapping at him. Next thing you know, the guy punches Bobby right in the face. Yep. He goes in the penalty box, we score a goal, we win the game. And it just, you yep. know, it's, you got to take all the frustration, whatever you have, and put it aside and make certain you focus on winning the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, in uh, t- 2003, if I'm not mistaken, Wes Walls spent that whole first-round series against Colorado in Forsberg's back pocket and drove him absolutely crazy. Yeah, and, and that's what you try and do. And, and, and it... <laughs> You know, and that's why mindset is so important when you get to the playoffs. And that's good coaches make certain that you maintain that. You know, they're they're talking to their players all the way along. They're reiterating what the guys got to do, how to keep their composure and upset the other guys. And I mean, you just take a look at what they're doing right now. Trotz has done a masterful job. Tortorella's done a masterful job. These yep. guys. You know they're they're getting their players to play with the passion and desire they need, but not the foolishness that usually comes with it during the regular season. Of the uh, of the five series still going on, do you have a personal favorite? I'm just loving the Colorado. And I'm glad you uh, said that one. Series. How about McKinnon, Lou? I, I right oh. now McKinnon's the best player in the game. I think I just cannot believe him. I can't believe what I'm seeing. He's a huge kid too. The, the the incredible thing, Lou, is he skates like he's Goudreau size. Yeah, and he's a he's a big man. Oh, I'm telling you, he is. And and I got to watch this guy up close for a long time. He played at Chattuck, and in the summer he came and uh, 
and and he stayed in, in Minnesota. In fact, he lived a little bit with my uh, grandson Terry, and they played in the same line together. And Vanek sponsors a team, so he played in the summer in the summer league they had. So I watch this kid a lot, mm-hmm. and and I just can't tell you how impressive he is, and how the guys always play the same way. With he plays at ultra speed. I mean. He's he's always at full speed. He does everything at full speed, and he is so gifted, and so fun to watch, and he's so uh, amazingly competitive. That I, I, this series has been my favorite series, and I and I I don't know if you watched the game, not the last one, but the one before. It was it was it was just hit for hit, and I mean tough hits, fast hits, hard hits. Each of those teams, given each other, the game was spectacular to watch. Yeah, that's and why you can't. Whatever you do, you got to get fighting out of the game eventually. It's stupid because if you get fighting out, you're going to have more guys hitting like that, and 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 there's nothing like a, a physical, fast hockey game. Nothing. No, and that series though is the speed in that series is phenomenal. Oh every every game, every second. And and the the one thing that I'm glad that we were both wrong about is so far Mike Smith has not been bad, right? So the yeah. goal t- the goaltending on both sides between uh, Smith and Grubauer has been fantastic, w- which makes the the series even more compelling because we were right about the goaltending uh, from Martin Jones and the Sharks, yeah. And so so give me the hot goaltenders because it makes it way more fun. Well, right now Anderson's playing pretty well for Toronto. He's yep. he's, he's been very good. He's uh... And and I think you know you're, you're going to see Fleury beat uh, San Jose, which we expect because their their goaltending is playing good too. But Grubauer in the Nets for Colorado, yep. Even though he lost one, he's probably done as good a job as as uh, anybody still going here in, in the playoffs. You know, I mean, we know a good uh, <laughs> the goaltending Bobrovsky gave gave Columbus that that was tremendous. Mm-hmm. And and I think that uh, you know Grubauer has probably been the best goaltender in the playoffs right now for for what he's had to do. What's your thoughts on the uh, Jets and Blues, which is now two two after the uh, Jets won? We're, we're taping this on Wednesday. They won on Tuesday night in overtime. Well, I uh, you know I still think Winnipeg can win the series if Hellebeck's uh, got to be as good as, as Bennington. I I I, I was a little concerned about goaltending both sides there. Bennington only because he's a rookie and how well could he play and he's played very well. But Hellebeck in that one game he lost showed why I, I had concern over him because he's been inconsistent. I think that's the reason why they lost to Las Vegas last year. He's, he hasn't been as good as, as Fleury was there last year. Mm-hmm. And I'm concerned if he plays as good as St. Louis' goaltender, Winnipeg's going to win. If he doesn't, St. Louis is going to win. Um, Nazem Kadre's hit that, that got him suspended for the rest of the series on Saturday night in the Bruins-Leafs game. I, I'm sure you saw it. your reaction to ba- what basically was a retaliatory cross-check to the head of DeBrusca Boston. Well, it, it was a, a cross-check to the head, and it, was, it wasn't a retaliatory for the hit that was just DeBrusca made before that. He was frustrated in, in earlier when he and DeBrusca the brush tried to hit him at center ice, and he tried to escape the check. It was like knee and knee, and he got hurt for a while. Came back, mm-hmm. and it wasn't penalized. And and they've had a thing going all the way through. But if you watched what happened in that, 
so after the brush uh, threw a check on someone else and he was skating down the corner, Kadri just came right down and he must have taken four or five strides and cross-checked him in the head. Dumbest thing I've, I've seen in the playoffs in a long time. Deservedly out for the playoffs. And uh, he's had a history of being suspended, and that's why he got the as long a suspension that he got. But it was just nuts that the guy couldn't... We're, we've been talking about controlling your passion here. Yes. And that's what makes you win. He definitely didn't do it. And that's... Uh, it didn't affect the Leafs in the last game because they won without him, but... Uh, they might not win without him because he is a, he's a great player. But his uh, part of being a great player is able to think the game right, and he's not thinking the game right, so he's not as great as he could be. Yeah, I, and I, I thought he was just suspended for th- the rest of this first-round series. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, but that could be, you know, four or five games. For the rest of yeah. But it's weird. Why, why wouldn't you just pick a games, <laughs> do you think, Lou? Why wouldn't you pick, let's say, ten games? You're suspended for ten games. Well, they didn't want to give him 10 games because of the fact he had the, but they definitely knew that he, he deserved, uh, you know, five, which he could have gone five games or something or five more, you know. So he was he was definitely going to get the rest of that series. Yeah. And I don't think that uh, they want to carry it over if Toronto wins to another series and because that's still a pretty severe suspension that he's he's been given. So that that series, if I'm uh, right about this right now, is Leafs two to one right. uh, as they get set for Game Four. What's your best or, or what's your prediction for that one? Well, now that it's at two to one, I would think that you know I thought Boston could beat them because Leafs were playing not playing well at the end of the year, although they're talented enough to win. And uh, I still think Boston could prevail, especially with Kadri being out, but. Uh, the goaltending, you know, Anderson's given Toronto some really great goaltending. And and even though Matthews until last game hadn't scored, Marmer is such a great player. Oh. He's been a difference maker for them. And yes. He's been their best player, basically, besides what he produced and how he plays. I mean, he's not only good offensively, he's real good defensively. No, he's a, he is a star. Yeah, and he's going to make a lot of money this summer. Yeah. And now, are they going to be able to pay him, or is that going to be a difficult one with all their contracts? Well, they, they contracts? will, because they'll move somebody else. You could expect a guy like Nylander to be traded to open up cap room, because you got a ton of money already going to Matthews and, and, and uh, Tavares and so and, and Riley, and then you got to pay Gardner and you got to pay Nylander. That's the reason why Gardner might not be back, Yeah, because they might have to move both those guys to create the cap space they need. Could, could there be a, a perhaps a Leafs wild deal with Nylander coming to uh, Minnesota, you think? Well, I don't know what the what the wild are going to give the Leafs that would make that <laughs> worthwhile. Touche. Um, you mentioned fighting in hockey, and so I, I want to close w- with the Ovechkin fight because um, uh, I don't know how long the Carolina kid is going to be out, but that was a, a brutal sight. And and that is the answer, I think, Lou, for everybody who says, well, the good thing about hockey fights is nobody gets hurt. The, yeah. the response is, no, yes, they do. And that that was a scary one. I remember one guy, I forget who it was in our team, he says, the reason why I'm not in fights is because somebody does get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, not going to be me. <laughs> but the that was a scary one. And, and uh it was a stupid one. It was a stupid one because uh, Slavetchikov, or however you pronounce his name. I think you just came close. Who was the best player that they've had in the playoffs. He's yes. a tremendous player. He's 19 years old. Yes. He idolized Slavetchikov going up. And 
like I was talking about before, the passion and intensity gets going, and all of a sudden you start doing things you shouldn't be doing, and he challenged Ovechkin to a fight, which was a big mistake. And he got hit three times in the jaw really bad that I'm really going to be surprised if he only misses one game. Because mm-hmm. he, he not only was out, he didn't know where he was, couldn't get up, and then they had to help him off. He could hardly get off the ice. He took him right into concussion protocol. He already said he's missing the next game. But I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that there's not any lingering concussion effects from that because Ovechkin's just a beast. He's about 240 pounds. He's stronger than an ox. I remember when when he first came in the league, George McPhee and I were somewhere and 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 getting ready for the season, and he had drafted Ovechkin. And I said, "How is this kid?" He said, "Louis, I got him staying with me." He said, "You know, I sort of pride myself on being in great condition." And, and McPhee, who is always in great condition, he was a general manager then in Washington. Now he's general manager of Vegas. But he said, "I took him out for a run up this mountain, up this hill in." Uh, where, by where we live, he says, and I pride myself in being in good shape. He says, we're going up, and we're about three quarters of the way up, and I'm really working, going at it, <laughs> going fast. And he said, this kid breezed by me, and he said, are you coming or not? <laughs> and he said, he said he is an animal. He is so physically strong, it's unbelievable. And and if you see him, you know, just. Re- Look back to the playoffs last year when he was determined not to lose. He just was clearing the ice, passed out on the ice. Like he'd come down and bodies were flying all over. Yes. The guy's unbelievable. And this kid, and it's the first fight Ovechkin's had in at least four years, maybe, might have been nine years. I think nine years. I think 2010, years, yeah. his last oh my fight, God. yeah. And he just, it's, it was devastating. And, and, and you know, and, and, that's why I said, you take football, yep. which is so competitive, and they hit so hard. Yep. And you take a, a wide receiver coming across the middle, 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage or past the line of scrimmage, and a guy hits him, and the guy's looking back for a pass and clotheslines him or whatever. You don't see four or five guys going to fight after. You don't see the guy jump up and fight. You take it. It's part of the game. Yep. You know you shouldn't have, you should have been aware. But you, you don't lose your composure and go in a fight and then get thrown out of game. So why do we have to have that in hockey? We don't. And that's what I'm saying. That It's not needed in the game. You know, fights, I, I see him. you know, I'm interested in him. I, I want one guy to beat the other guy, whoever I'm cheering for. But if I really want to see a fight, I go to a boxing match. Yes. You know, but I want to see a hockey game. I want to see physical. I want to see fast. I want to see, you know, uh, no stoppages as, as few as possible. I like the intensity of it, and I don't think it's needed in the game. And I really do believe that if you take fighting out of the game, then you're going to have even more guys hitting that wouldn't hit before because they think they might get punched in the head. Mm-hmm. And it'll be more more physical and just as fast. And so I think that's more entertaining. Well, and Lou, too, as, as far as, you know, we, we both love the sport, these playoffs have been sensational, and and, and if you want to introduce uh, the, the casual hockey fan or the non-hockey fan and get them to love the sport like we do, these playoffs are an invitation to do so, except for the fact that the cadre hit and that fight, and, and it's not even blaming Ovechkin, it's just that the fight was brutal. Those things overshadow the greatness of what we're watching, which is these fast, entertaining, quick-paced. The game has never been better, so let's feature the game and not the ancillary crap. 
Well, you're right about that, and and you know the the actual fact is, you go back last ten years, you, you forever. I mean, but especially last ten years, go back and look at the fighting ratios in the playoffs versus the regular season. It's non-existent. Mm-hmm. People don't fight in the playoffs. They they learn they got to take a hit to do you know you know to make the play. And if you get hit bad, you get the number and you get the guy back later. <clears throat> but you keep your composure. You <clears throat> you don't get caught up in, in that kind of stuff and get thrown out of the game or taken off the ice and spending five minutes in the box or maybe even a misconduct. You've got to control that part of the game because it's so important to winning the game. And that's what is just – it happens. Don't tell me that the Olympics aren't as intense as anything. I played in them. Yep. And the same thing, you never see a fight in the Olympic Games. And, and this crap about – Oh, this keeps the sticks down, and that is so much crap. I played in every league in the world. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That is so—it's folklore. It doesn't exist. Trust me. You, these guys, it all—you set your mind to remembering. You don't take dumb, stupid penalties. You don't retaliate. You wait to get the guy properly when when you got a chance. Mm-hmm. But you pay the price to make a play. Amen. Thank you, Lou. Great stuff. Thank you. Talk to you next week. Enjoy the playoffs or continue to. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton, motivation that moves you. Hurry. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.